Hey everyone, welcome to Shift, or welcome back if this isn't your first time here. Shift is a daily podcast where the thoughts and insights presented center around shifting expectations and being in a constant state of growth. I believe that radical accountability requires true vulnerability. Hopefully you find value in the content presented, and if so, I hope that you'll visit the website togetherweshift.com and check out some of the other resources available in the tools section. Now let's get to it. What's up, everybody? It is Friday. It is the shift interview, and I'm actually flipping the script on this one. It is not the shift interview because I, as the host of Shift, will not be interviewing anybody but my good friends John Chase and Shane Warner over at the Iron Will podcast had me on as a guest a few weeks back, and because it's the day after Thanksgiving, at least the day that this is being published. Uh, I, like everybody else, am with my families, and hopefully you are too, and maybe you're on a plane flying home and you need something to listen to. So uh, those guys are kind enough to let me use this podcast, this episode, their interview with me for today's shift interview. So you'll actually hear Shane Warner and John Chase interviewing me about a topic that is very dear and very near to my heart, and that is my wife and the experiences we had around her stroke and her recovery and what that all looked like. So this one's a little bit different, and I hope you dig it. And so when you hear him mention Iron Will, that's because they recorded this for their deal, and I highly recommend you go over to the Iron Will podcast, check them out, give it a listen. These guys are amazing. Shane's got a great story. About three or four weeks ago, you might have heard his interview on my podcast. So, anyway, here it is, the Shift interview with me. Hey, guys, and welcome back to another Iron Will podcast with me, Shane Warner, and... John Chase. So, what this podcast is all about is we are trying to get stories from people that have been through a traumatic experience in their lives and came out a different person. Yeah. They have all created an iron will. So what is an iron will? A burning determination that cannot be stopped or hindered by anything. Willing to do anything to get a desired outcome. Extremely resilient. So what we like to say is we like to say... Just keep punching. (laughs) Yeah. So sit back and relax and we're going to start the show. So today we had Keith McCoy on the podcast with us and I didn't really have the chance to introduce him. Mm -hmm. We just kind of jumped into his story. And um, so I just want to take this opportunity to kind of let John introduce him because John is actually the reason I know Keith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Keith, Keith is, is an amazing, amazing um, mentor, coach, uh, life coach. He has his own podcast. He does so many amazing things. I've known him for, for several years now. And uh, what he does, his service and all that is, is amazing. You got to have to hear his story about oh, yeah. himself and his wife. And uh, I just wanted to also mention that Shane's actually been on his, his podcast as well. So you guys can listen to that too. But um, yeah, we'll get right into his wife's story. Okay. So I... Shane's for, a slacker. Yeah, that's what I he forgot. <laughs> and I pl- was planning on Saturday for some reason. And so John texted me when I he was coming and I was mowing the lawn. So I'm like, I'll be there in I'm a minute. I'm kind of out like, of oh, breath. So. <laughs> All good, man. Yeah. All good. But anyway, I wanted to talk to you about struggles you can't control or obstacles anyway that you are out of your control so i want you to talk about your wife's stroke a little bit Mm -hmm. to start out okay that's a good story yeah yeah for sure sorry i gotta i gotta so, put the yeah. thing up so my kids my yeah. kids know not to come flying into my bedroom <laughs> we got a little like recording in session thing for when we're doing zoom calls oh that's perfect great. yeah podcasts yeah. and stuff yeah it just like gives them a heads up that like hey our room's off limits for the moment yeah so my wife carrie and i've been together 
Uh, my wife and I have been together for 25 years. Awesome. We've been married for 23, and uh, we have eight children. Uh, wow. Our first two kids were were born. Uh, one, our first kid was actually born before we were married. So we had two kids back to back, two years apart, mm-hmm. and then we realized we didn't know how to be a couple. We didn't know how to be adults. We didn't know how to be married. So there was like <laughs> a pretty long gap of us kind of figuring out how to how to be grown ups. She was nineteen when we had our first kid. So that's yeah. young. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So she, we kind of went through a spell. And then things were going really well. And she's like, I want to have more kids. And, and that led to more and more. So and how so long was that gap in between your last kid and yeah, your next kid? Yeah. So, uh, seven years. So oh. we had, mm. I have a, uh, 23 year old, 21 year old. And then our next oldest is 14. Okay. Oh, okay. So we had a seven year gap. And then after that, it was kind of like he was, our 14 year old was going to be an only child. And so we decided we would have an, another child. So we'd have two and two and then God had other plans. And before we kind of figured out what we wanted to do, um, she got pregnant with our fifth. Hmm. And at that point I was like, okay, I'm at, this is out of my control, like outside of my control in the sense that like God obviously had other plans yeah, for us. Sure. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we, we all know how girls get pregnant. So like right. I participated. There's some control. <laughs> yeah. There's some control. There were, there was some participation in that. Right. Yeah. Um, but we had done natural family planning and we had done things to sort of prevent, but they always kind of just didn't work. And it was mm-hmm. like, well, clearly we're supposed to have a large family. And so yeah. from there we just kind of went with it. Um, and uh, after our seventh kid, uh, we decided we were done. I had scheduled a vasectomy. And right before that happened, my wife came to me and said, Hey, I, I think we need to hold off on that. I think we're supposed to have, and I was like, are you mm. kidding me? Like, wow. We already have seven. seven yeah. <laughs> Seven's not enough for you. <laughs> um, but I've, I had learned over the course of our marriage that like listening to her intuition mm-hmm. had always served us well. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's awesome. Okay. If you, if you feel like that's what, what we need to do and you feel like that's what God's calling us to, then then I'll wait. And I said, but you know, if I wait that we're going to have another baby. And she was like, yeah, I kind of figured. <laughs> so, um, we had our eighth child in May of 2018 and it was a fairly easy pregnancy. The last couple of weeks were rough. Um, Carrie had just turned 40 and our, uh, it was, she went 43 weeks. And so the last couple of weeks were pretty, pretty difficult. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but we had the baby, we had her at home. Uh, everything went well. Everything was smoothly, you know, went smooth. Um, we do home births. So, mm-hmm. and, and we'd been through that before. So we kind of knew what to expect and everything was good. Um, but probably about two, three weeks after, after we had the baby, Carrie was complaining of having a headache for like four or five days in a row. Hmm. And she would get headaches fairly often, but not anything that like we couldn't resolve. We use, you know, holistic remedies in our household. We use essential oils and different things and meditation and whatnot. She was always able to manage it, but she was kind of like one of those people that kind of always seemed to have headaches. Hmm. Um, And then this one was just like really kicking her butt. And so after about the third or fourth day, she was getting ready to head out and go do her thing, run some errands. And she was taking one of our kids with her. She started to like kind of slur her words and Hmm. her, she just kind of looked spacey. Like my oldest kid, um, asked her like, Hey, are you, are you okay? And she just kind of said something or slurred her words. And she said, dad, I think mom's having a stroke. And I was in the room, yeah, yeah. and so mm-hmm. we were. I went, <clears throat> I went and sat next to her, and I just kind of looked at her, and I, I could tell that something was off. You know, I mean, you know your spouse. Yeah, sure. And I asked her. I said, "Hey, you know, are you okay?" And she said, "Yes." And I said, "Do you feel okay?" And she said, "Yes." But it was like she was looking through me, not at me. Right. Right. And. I said, okay. So, well, can you, and the questions I was asking her were kind of yes, no questions. So I said, can you tell me our address? And she said, one, five, and that was it. And I was like, okay, where is it? Where is it? And my mom had had a stroke. So I knew, I knew what was happening. So we called 911. We got, um, actually called the midwife first 
because I had a, a four week old baby and was like, mm-hmm. this is going to be bad. I need someone here to help yeah. this kid. Yeah. And so our midwife actually came over and got there shortly after the paramedics, um, and worked with my oldest kids to like, here's how, you know, here's what we, here's what we need to do. They put a call out and we had other moms in the community bring breast milk over. And oh, that's like, great. Had, had a support network, but we took care of going to the ER. Um, they did a quick CT scan came back and said, yeah, it looks like she's had a stroke. We're going to give her some stuff to break up the clot in her carotid artery. And that should do the trick. And about 10 minutes later, they said, um, it's not doing the trick and it's worse than we thought. So we Mm -hmm. put in surgery and I was like, okay, cool. What's that look like? And, 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 uh, like, is that like something we schedule for tomorrow? Is that, and they were like, no, she's like right now, Mm -hmm. like we're going into surgery right now. And I just didn't have any like time to, even think about what was happening. So we went upstairs to the, to the, to the OR floor and the cardio, the neuro cardiovascular guy came out and said, uh, he drew me a little map of her arteries and said, this is what's happening. And gave me this stack of paperwork to sign. And he was like, I know you want to read through it. And I know you have questions. He said, but I got to go save your wife's life. Hmm. So I need you to sign this. And so she was on my right and I looked over at him and I signed the papers and I turned around to say goodbye to her and to encourage her. And she was gone. They had already, they had already like zipped her down the hall. Wow. So I turned to my right to say something to her. She's gone. I turned to my left to ask a question and he's gone. And so I found myself standing in the hallway mm. by myself going what what the what the hell yeah Yeah, i i can't even comprehend that feeling yeah yeah like of lack of control you know oh for sure and yeah um, yeah well you don't you didn't have time to even think uh, like (laughs) you couldn't even ask questions it just it's no no i didn't have i didn't have any time I mean, the ride in the hot, the ride in the ambulance. I was on the phone with her parents because I had to let them know, and that was mm-hmm. one of the, the one of the hardest calls I had to make. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny. I, I equated to when when we first got pregnant, we weren't married, and Carrie was nineteen, and probably the second hardest thing I ever had to do with her parents was tell her that I got her daughter <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> right. <laughs> the next one was, was calling him and saying, Hey, your, your daughter's had a stroke yeah. and mm-hmm. she's 40, like she's 40 yeah. years old. Like <clears throat> it's just not a 40 year old thing. And so I, I, <clears throat> I went into the, I went into the waiting room and I was by myself and I, uh, posted on Facebook and in and, and a, a group of our community and said, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is what's happening. If you, if you pray, pray, if you, if you send white light, so like whatever, whatever your mm-hmm. good juju mm-hmm. is, I need do it. it. Yeah. Really just like, and not like, it's always interesting with like social media. Like, is it for your own ego? Is it, right? Is it yeah. like, yeah. you know, are we being real or like, what's that like? And for me, it was really just like, I didn't know who to call, what to do. And it was just like, Hey, I'm in this, I'm in this place where if you pray, I need you to pray for us. Cause Mm -hmm. I had no idea what they were doing and what they, what the, what the surgeon who told me before he took her back was she had what's called a a carotid artery dissection. So her carotid artery, which is, you know, if you know anything about arteries, it's one of the main arteries, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, you close that one off. That's how you choke somebody out. That's, that's how you, that's the main artery. Um, probably second only to like your femoral artery and your thigh. Mm-hmm. Um, and hers had, uh, essentially the tissue that forms the artery had flaked off hmm. or flaked loose. So if you think about like pastry dough, like phyllo, like baklava yeah. or, yeah. Like it's real flaky, right? So like imagine a piece of that inside a straw. And so that was preventing the blood from flowing Mm -hmm. to her brain. And it was pooling behind that sort of tissue. And that's what created the clot, which closed off her artery. Right. She had, uh, she was fortunate enough to have what's called a double dissection. So she had a piece that had flaked upward and a piece that had flaked downward. Mm 
Hmm. So that that just created this Pandora's box of issues. Wow. So, um, so I was sitting in the way. So that was what I knew. All I knew is that she had had this really traumatic um, freak sort of accident mm-hmm. thing happen. And so in the waiting room, uh, I I had called a friend of ours because we were supposed to have lunch that day, and I said, "Hey, that's off the table. Sorry, this is what's happening." Um, and I said, can you just reach out to these handful of people and let them know that like my schedule is clear. Yeah. Like I'm not doing it. Like, I don't know what the next couple days, weeks, months looks like. Right. And once I did that and I was able to kind of sit with my thoughts, I started to panic. I started to kind of freak out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to be a single dad? Is with, she yeah, going to be an invalid? Kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's, yeah. That's, and, uh, and, and, the thing I find ironic, and I'm sure there's a reason to this, but her feeling of that you should um, have the eighth kid, <laughs> you, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it yeah. ties all together. Yeah, I mean, there was a part of me at that moment that was like, uh, she's the one who wanted to have all these kids. You yeah. better not leave me with them. <laughs> like, yeah, right. There was a little bit of anger, right? Mm-hmm. That's and, a part of the process. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, what was interesting though is, um, I've done a lot of personal development over the years, mm-hmm. and we can talk about my childhood, my upbringing. But it was it was what most people would consider dysfunctional, yeah. traumatic. Um, so I'd done a lot of work through that stuff, and I do a lot of coaching and mentoring as in my profession. And there were two things that that we often would coach people through or use as a coaching tool. One of them was life happens for you, not to you. Mm -hmm. And the other one, which has really become the through line for me is that we only control how we show up. Yep. Right. And I used to carry, uh, it's an interesting story. I used to carry this coin in my pocket, a a challenge coin that says memento mori on one side, which is, uh, remember death. And on the other side, it says, um, remember that you could leave this life right now and use that to dictate how you choose to behave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I used to carry that coin. Um, interestingly enough, my wife now carries it. Uh, and I had that coin in my pocket and I, w- I pulled it out and I was just kind of fondling it. And those two phrases came to my mind that life happens for you and not to you. And that we only control how we show up and is loudly as you could hear something without it being audible in my brain i heard do you really believe all that shit you tell people yeah wow yeah that's yeah. like the and it was ultimate the challenge yeah. yeah right there yeah it was like somebody had just held a mirror up in front of me <laughs> and said okay mm-hmm. all right all right all right tough guy if you believe like, it, you say all it. That. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you believe it if you really believe it then then how Just do you live it? Got to accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in that moment I was like, okay, what do I know? I know that she's in surgery. I know that she's had a stroke. I don't know anything else. So at this point, what can I control? I can control whether I panic, whether I create false stories in my mind, I mm-hmm. can control. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to, what can I do? I can, I can trust the surgeon. I can Mm -hmm, pray. I can, I can be strong for my kids no matter what happens. Um, and, and so that's what I did. I went to work just sort of stealing myself and getting myself into a place where I would really, really sort of slow everything down and be, mindful of how I was showing up because Mm -hmm. that was the only thing in this moment I could control. Um, and probably in about 30 minutes, uh, a good friend of mine and my oldest son showed up, asked how I was doing, you know, obviously, you know, what's going on? How's mom? What's happening? Yeah, of course. Um, brought me some food and then, uh, and then the midwife and her assistant showed up and, they, they let me know that like, Hey, we've got a cooler on your porch. Moms are bringing milk. 
you know, your oldest kids have been instructed in how to handle things and what to do. And one of the other midwives was at my house to make sure that dinner was getting ready. Like all the things, like mm. just yeah, to let me know like, Hey, your other family is good. Like mm-hmm. the rest of your family is good. Yeah. Just take care of this situation. So about three hours into it, <clears throat> three and a half hours, um, the surgeon came out and, uh, said she's fine said she we we it took we did surgery he said you know it wasn't me it was god's hands that controlled because um what they had to do is they had to go in through her femoral artery in her thigh Whoa. they had to go up through her veins uh arteries into her where the dissection was located which we found out later was essentially like right behind her right cheekbone so it's kind of, if you can just kind of imagine or visualize mm-hmm. this catheter about the size of a hair going into her artery and then traveling through her body, which um, I found it was only about 18 to 24 inches. It seems a lot longer, yeah. like, but it's not. It, it just, it mm-hmm. goes in and they, 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 it took him five attempts to reach and then dislodge the initial clot. Okay. Wow. Um, he said that she had the arteries of an 80 year old, like just, they were loopy and they were bendy and they weren't like, wow. they were just fragile. So he had a really hard time getting the catheter to her, her artery. And then, mm-hmm. um, they did a secondary CT scan to, to make sure they got everything. And they located three, four, four additional clots in her brain. So he went in cleared those out which sort of for me hindsight being 2020 i was like so that's kind of probably where the headaches were coming like yeah. she was like that symptom mm-hmm. we never got to the root cause and, yeah. and so um the upside was he said she had no deficits and i said what does that mean and he said neurologically she's 100 percent." wow and i was like what do you mean like that's impossible and he said yeah it is like he's like i've never seen it <laughs> yeah. like, i don't know what to tell you she um, didn't lose dexterity, like in her, I mean, like sh- even temporarily, bro, like it just, <laughs> like it's insane. Wow. So no, she didn't. She didn't lose dexterity. She didn't speak. She could speak, but she didn't. Yeah. She was yeah, in yeah. shock. Sure. Um, for probably, but like she went home thirty six hours after being admitted. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, like, you know, people people talk about like how I handle the situation. I'm like, you have no clue what like resilience and like she said I have to get home to my baby Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't let her they wouldn't let her breastfeed they wouldn't let the baby you know and this was way pre-COVID or any of that Mm -hmm. like you don't need the child um, to be here and and her neurologist was like you're going to need to stop breastfeeding because we're going to put you on a blood thinner and she was like you're going to need to find a different blood thinner because I'm not going to stop breastfeeding right it's just how we live our life. Like it wasn't an option mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. But so, isn't that amazing that like your community that um, you live around has like the same um, thoughts as you on what you can control, you know, and they yeah. take it upon themselves to give um, breastfeed for her. And st- yeah, so it's awesome. just like, yeah. does that come from, being like your coaching, does that play a part in their um, attitude think, towards it? Or yeah, I think part of that is um, my wife and I are fairly clear on our core values, mm-hmm. and right. we we live. Of, I would say very, but there there's always things that I see that. I question, but I, I think compared to most people, we live what, what you would consider a very intentional life. Sure. Yeah. So we know, we know where we stand. We know what we want. We, and, and, and a lot of that comes from living heart centered and like loving other people. Mm-hmm. It's not about like, this is mine and I want to have it. It comes from a very like, just an intentional living. So like the people that we surround ourselves, the community that we're a part of and, and our closest circle Mm-hmm. Um, are in alignment with that because yeah. if, if if those people don't support our core values, yeah. then we can love them, but we love them with a little bit of a of a distance because mm-hmm. our inner circle is in alignment with what we how we choose to live, and so 
you know, when we, when we hit this place where we needed support, the closest people that would come to support us knew how to do so in in a way that honors who we are. Um, And I think, I like to think we do that in return. Um, Sure. And, and like, you know, you talk about dexterity, uh, my, once, once, once I got to see my wife, once I spoke to her, which was really weird because she was still sort of looking through me. Um, and I don't know if it's a combination of coming off of drugs or, Mm -hmm. or being in shock because during her surgery, they didn't, they didn't put her under, they put her in a bit of a lucid state. So she was Mm -hmm. awake for this procedure. Interesting. And she'll talk about, um, she'll talk about the excruciating pain and feeling of having something in her brain navigating it. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. I'm surprised they do that because you would think that would cause like PTSD and stuff like that. It certainly has. Like when her doctor, when her doctor says, well, she has no deficits. I'm like, well, neurologically, yes. Emotionally, mentally, she's got a tremendous amount of PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, if any of her kids come up and like, like you don't touch the back of my wife's head, you don't, you don't mm-hmm. like come up and tickle her. Like she, like, you know, Shana, sure. you and I've talked about this a little bit. Like there's a, there's a, a anxiety around what's going on with your head yeah. when you've had a head injury and, sure. and a stroke in, in a lot of ways, especially for her as a traumatic brain injury. So she definitely has a lot of that, but, um, when she was in the hospital, the midwives came in because she couldn't breastfeed her child um, in order to maintain your milk production and reduce pain. Like, you know, mm-hmm. not, I mean, the reality is that when women breastfeed, their breasts are engorged. And if you don't express that milk, um, it, it, it creates painful, it can yeah. create mastitis. Yeah, right. It can create all sorts of issues. So her midwives manually expressed her breast milk wow. while she was in a hospital bed. Uh-huh. to help her mm-hmm. and and to get that milk back to to the to the child and when they were done with that like Carrie offered to do that but she was kind of like still in this sort of daze mm-hmm. um and so they did that for her to 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 make sure it was done properly and to help sure. her and like it's just it's a super vulnerable state to be sitting in a room with two other women yeah mm-hmm. you know manually expressing mm-hmm. breast milk from your wife and you're just like i don't even know what this, i don't even know how to yeah right like like it's a picture of my head i just never thought i would yeah. i would sip it and then right. um you know about an hour or two later she and this goes back to the dexterity thing she took her contacts out and i was like how are you how are you physically able yeah to remove your con, like she literally had like very little to no physical. She had all her motor skills. She had all of wow. her dexterity. Um, the only thing that the only issue she had was was the so by the time she got out of surgery and everything it was five six o'clock at night. Most of the evening they just kind of left her be. But in the next the next morning, um, they got her up and they had her walk and mm-hmm. her left side was pretty weak because her stroke was on her right side, so her left mm-hmm. side was kind of weak. She couldn't, she could walk, but it was, it was definitely measured and, and sort of, um, cautiously. And so they came back and, and, uh, said, Hey, you know, this is what we see, you know, physically you seem fine with a little bit of work. You'll be able to walk, um, normal, everything will be fine. And they, we asked how long does she need to be here? If that's the case. And they said, once we see you walk, you know, from A to B, we'll send you home. Yeah. And she said, Get, let's go. Like, who, who do I got to show? Yeah. <laughs> who, who do I have to show that I can walk it, walk? And they, you know, uh, I think it was the occupational therapist had to get mm-hmm. somebody else. And they came in. So they came back around lunchtime and they gave her a walker and she walked up and down the hall and they said, okay, send her home. Uh-huh. And wow. so, you know, she got admitted about 12 o'clock uh, in the afternoon and she went home at, I want to say 5 or 6 p.m. the next day. <laughs> Wow. That is insane. It's it's just a routine, <laughs> yeah, routine stroke. Yeah, let's go. Super, you know. Yeah, she was she was amazing. Now, emotionally, um, it's three and a half years later, mm-hmm. um, and I'd say she's probably just now getting to the place <laughs> where she would consider herself to be healed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, right. It's been a long, it's been a long road. And that's for me, like as a caregiver, that's probably been the hardest part of, of managing the story, mm-hmm. you know, how mm-hmm. do I support her? How do I walk the line between enabling and encouraging? Because I, I do think that like probably about five or six months after the stroke, we recognized that I was enabling her. Mm. Yeah. Um, like what do you mean doing do, stuff doing for too her? Much. Yeah. Yeah. So she went into a super dark depression. Um, you know, you face death, you, all mm. those things get, get create all these different emotional responses and being, a, you know, also dealing with like post, uh, postpartum mm-hmm. depression, which she didn't really experience, but always had like that bit of hormonal imbalance. Right. Right. So she went into super dark depression and she wanted to move back. So we live in Colorado. We were, lived in Las Vegas for a long, long time. It's mm-hmm. where her family lives. It's where my family lives. So for a brief moment, she wanted to move back to Las Vegas. She was like, I need my parents. We need to go back to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I'm okay with that, but we moved out of there because you hate Las Vegas. Yeah. And, and you found so, the community that you found in yeah. Colorado. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was like, are you sure that's what you want to do? And she was like, I, all she kept saying was, I knew my parents. I knew my parents. Mm. And I said, okay. So I called her parents and I said, I'm flying the two of you up here and you'll stay here until she's good. And if that means I got to fly you back and forth every two weeks, then that's what we'll do. Sure. Um, and so I said, before we pack up and move, how about I bring your parents here? And we tried that for a while and she said, okay. So we mm-hmm. did that and, and literally, yeah. So I took over laundry. I took over cooking. I took over daycare. I took over, we're fortunate enough that we work from home yeah. and that I was able to call our team and say, you guys are on your own for a bit. You just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. We're here, but we're, she's priority number one. Of course. And of course they were all like a thousand percent, Yeah, whatever you need. Yeah. And and in the year that we actually spent that that first year, um, our business grew. <laughs> it's, wow! It, it it grew, and we we increased our income, and uh-huh. it's just like it just shows how you know God provides when you yep. just focus on what's important. And mm-hmm. sometimes so, yeah, you got to let it, him take the reins, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I, and I actually, I mean, since then, I give them to him a lot more often. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Like clearly you got this under control better than I do. So I'm going to go ahead and let you right. do that. But we, um, as she was healing physically, she had a little bit of a drag to her left foot. Like it wasn't noticeable to anybody but her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would walk every night and we, I would make sure she was, you know, being physically active. Um, but a lot of her days were spent sitting on the couch doing nothing mm. and just sort of um, existing. Yeah. And it was hard to figure out how to get her to move forward and get back to thriving. Yeah, um, that's hard. And, you know, so we, it was like, okay, hey, you could go do this. You could go go for a walk on your own. Or, like, she wouldn't drive. Uh, it took probably a good two, three months before she would drive on her own. And the first time she drove on her own, she ran over a curb because she went to make a left-hand turn. And her depth perception was off and just totally drove right over it. <laughs> just drove right over it yeah. and called me like freaking out. And it was like, okay, you're fine. Do I need to come get you? Are you okay? Like, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm very like head down. Nothing slows me down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like activator achiever, just get it right. done. Right. Um, and, and, and that's not always a good thing. Um, and, like empathy and compassion are awfully oftentimes very low for me. Hmm. So I would just be like, okay, fine, I'll do it instead of giving her the space to figure it out. Yeah. Right. And like one of the first arguments we had after her stroke was let me do it. And I'm like, okay, are you sure? And it was like, I, you know, cause I felt like I had to do the things to make sure the kids are good and the house was good and right. the bills are paid and all the things are good. And she was like, let me participate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it was like, okay. And I kind of realized like she would do stuff like say laundry or, or clean and then it would wipe her out and then she would get mad because she didn't have the same energy level. And mm-hmm. so she would yell at me and it was like, well then I'll just do it. Cause yeah. I don't want to be yelled at. <laughs> like, right. Like yeah. you're, Instead you're of letting her work through it. 
Yeah, I, so and, I, and at first I thought I was helping her, and then I realized yeah. I was being selfish. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to deal with the bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's and, a that's a sticky and, situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, it's it was hard, and and so at some point, like I had to tell her parents, okay, you can't come for a while. Mm-hmm. Like you did your job, thank you, and that's hard because like they're, sure. they're, I'm not their kid; it's their kid. And, it's like, okay, you know, I think we've crossed over from, from encouraging and supporting to enabling her. And I think we need to try to get our life back to whatever normal looks like mm-hmm. so that we can figure that out. And so we did that and, and it, it, it was, it was tricky. It was like, you know, I mean, for a while I, I would joke that I was a single dad cause mm-hmm. like the parenting stuff fell mostly on me or. I would, I would say I have nine kids instead of eight because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't, she, it, oh my God, that would piss her off. She knows. <laughs> yeah, of course. You got to yeah. bring at least some humor. Yeah. Yeah. She would get so, she would get so mad, especially like the single parent thing. Cause yeah, of course. Uh, sometimes she would, she would have to mentally check out. And so, yes, I would have to deal with the stuff, but she felt, um, and, and, and then, when she told me that I stopped saying that, like I yeah. thought I was just being funny or cute mm-hmm. and trying to lighten the mood with, with, with humor. Um, so I think the biggest thing for us is like the communication, the ability to like sit each other down and go, you're being a jerk or that sure. really doesn't, yeah. I yeah. don't find that as funny as you do. And then kind of circling back to the, what I control, I can look at that and go, okay, mm-hmm. I can, I cannot do that for you because I don't want to make you feel bad. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, hey, that's you're going to have to figure that out because that's part of who I am. Yeah, like, and you're you're dealing with everything your own way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a whole piece to that of being like the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I'm very lucky that a lot of our community, um, I guess I don't know if lucky is the right word. I was fortunate that a lot of the people in our community have either gone through trauma similar to this mm-hmm. or have like children with special needs or things like that. And so they had a really strong understanding of making sure that the caregiver also gets a break. Mm -hmm. So I had friends that came and would, you know, the wife would stay with my wife and he and I would go see a movie just so I could get out of the house. Or, um, we had friends that flew in from Utah to stay with us for a few days so Mm -hmm. that they could kind of pick up some of the stuff and, and, and I could get a break and it was awesome. It was awesome. But yeah. it's such a learning curve in like navigating a relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I just, yeah, that's amazing. Like the, I want to go back to the uh, like community community that you're around. Like that's mm-hmm. obviously, um, something huge like to be around that type of uh you mentioned that um they have kids with special needs and stuff so like it's amazing how god puts those people in your life and surrounds you Mm -hmm. with the right kind of people and Mm -hmm. i think it's your job to be perceptive of who you let in and who you um kick out of your life or whatever mm-hmm. but um it's just amazing that you had that mm. type of support yeah that's interesting uh, perspective on it i i definitely um think that the people that we surround ourselves with like one of the things that we'll say a lot is you rise and fall to the level of the people you surround yourself with mm-hmm. and so we're we're mindful of of that um and honestly, I hadn't looked at it through the lens of like how it's divinely inspired or divinely um, guided mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're hundred percent correct. I mean, the community that we have and the community that we had in place at that time was uniquely skilled to help us navigate that period in our life. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and I think a lot of that is, I mean, you know, my wife's a, she's a, She's a unicorn and uh, she gets along with everybody. She can really interact and engage with just about anyone on anything. And, mm-hmm. and everybody, everybody loves her. Yeah. Um, and so, and she's always, both of us have, but I think she shows up in a, in a 
brighter way when it comes to like how we serve our community. And we, we, we've always been service minded. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I think you, I think you do get what you give. And so, and you know, I'm curious, um, to know where that like mindset or that perspective of giving back to your community comes from like how, like you talked about being raised in a, like a mm-hmm. dysfunctional type of a family. And so sure. I'm just curious of how all of, of, of that ties in together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I used to think, well, the thing about the thing about humanitarian work or philanthropy or service is that those of us who do it on a regular basis do it if we're being honest for selfish reasons because we get more out of it Mm -hmm. or we get as much at least Mm -hmm. if not more than the people that you're serving um whether that's filling your cup whether that's you know, for me, it's, I, I believe that service is the rent we pay for living on this planet. Sure. Like, I agree. And, and, you know, I believe that our creator died for our sins. And one of the ways that I can repay that debt and live in honor of that is to care for the rest of the flock, so to speak. Yeah, sure. Um, so a lot of that is like, it's, <laughs> me atoning for my own stuff, like yeah. on a spiritual level. And, you know, I grew up in an abusive home. It was physically violent. It was emotionally abusive. And as a young adult teenager, the way that I expressed that was through, you know, boosting car stereos, yeah. being an air and, you know, handling things in a very, you know, not loving way mm-hmm. because I didn't feel love. And so I, I projected that out into others and, and was not, yeah. you know, I mean, I started drinking at 16 and, and would mm-hmm. sneak out. And, and I mean, in that, that type of lifestyle, that very me first lifestyle went until my now 21 year old son was three mm-hmm. and I quit, I didn't quit drinking until he was about three years old. Yeah. And, and so a lot of that was me coming to the realization that like, you know, the, so some of it is that spiritual atonement and some of it is like, I've done some bad stuff in my life. And, and now I recognize like we have impact on people, no matter whether, you know, whether we, we realize it or not, me interacting with the cashier at the grocery store is going to leave a mark on that person's day. Yeah. Either way yeah. you interact yeah. with them, like either yeah. negative or positive, it's going to sure. do the same thing. And, um, it, yeah. kind of affects people more if they um, you're trading them bad or in a certain way and um, yeah. might as well just do like like you said cashier at the store or say hi or smile mm-hmm. or do something smile yeah yeah call, so call them by name yeah. if, they, if they're wearing a name badge That's, I always yep. I always say their name you know I'll say hey yeah. thanks a lot Shane you know thanks a lot Keith yeah. you know that kind of thing yeah, I mean, you know, at the very least, opt for neutral, you know, like, mm-hmm. if I'm having a bad day, if my kids are on my case, if Carrie and I aren't, aren't vibing, I don't need to take it out on that person. Sure. Um, and, and so, you know, so for me, it's really gotten to a place where I believe that we all have impact. I believe that we're all, you know, none of us live in a vacuum. And so... I choose as much as possible to make that impact positive. Mm-hmm. And, and when I don't have the energy or the, the mindset to do that, then I just sort of work towards neutral and not, you know, not being um, a, a detriment to their day. Sure. And, and so that's really where that comes from. Like, and my wife, you know, for Carrie, like her and I have talked about it um, because she's got a higher pain tolerance than I do Mm -hmm. when it comes to like, you know, a lot of times people will treat you unfairly or inappropriately. Mm -hmm. And she has a really high threshold for accepting that because 
I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm done with so-and-so. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. They kind of, they acted out of, out of school or they, you know, they shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. like two days later, they're going to lunch and I'm like, how are you still like what? <laughs> and she's like, I just love people, man. Yeah. Like people yeah. are people. So for her, it's, I think for her, she has a different background. It's, it's just a lot more, she just loves humans yeah. and she really knows, like understands what unconditional love is supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, that's but, not easy. Yeah. No, it's not. Now but, I will tell you, you, once you get to the line, once you get to that line with her, mm-hmm. you just don't exist anymore. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I got to mention something. So it was probably what a year after Carrie had her stroke. Um, my father had his and you guys reached out. Um, I was still in Colorado in the hospital with my, with my dad. And, uh, you guys reached out and Carrie gave me her protocol, her essential oil protocol. And just that even though like we started to implement stuff and he did end up passing away a couple weeks after that, um, due to some other complications that happened. But, um, just the fact that you guys reached out, like it meant a lot to me. Um, I, I really, I really did appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to thank you publicly i don't think i ever no. have thank you thank you guys Matt, <laughs> please yeah so. no we get it and it's i mean it's tricky because you talk about giving it to god right like mm-hmm. there's so many people and she works with a lot of people who have had strokes and mm-hmm. we often will she'll share her protocol she'll share what she knows and i sort of share my perspective as a caregiver mm-hmm. and like what you can do or what works for us what has it um and Unfortunately, more often than not, it doesn't end well. Yeah. Um, and and whether that's age or you know other sure. things that are sure. part of the health situation, it's and it's heartbreaking. And like honestly, I sometimes feel guilty, hmm. like because our story is not that. Like it's like. I mean, I, I've, I remember sitting with someone telling them how she walked out of the hospital 36 hours later and the person told me I was a liar. Yeah. <laughs> There's wow. no way that didn't happen. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, it's I, un- like I'm, almost <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. 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 That doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and so I, I was like, ah, and they're like, well, my mom and like, and I get mm-hmm. it cause they're still working through the pain of it. Sure. Yeah. But it's like, I almost am like, I don't want to share sometimes because it's like yeah. bragging or being like, oh, well, my wife went through this. And guess mm-hmm. what? We just sailed right through it. It was easy. Because it wasn't. But right. um, Well, it's hard sometimes, yeah. too, because when you when you share it that way and you say that you kind of gave, you know, gave it gave it to the Lord um, and then other people are like, well, we did, too. Yeah. So why does the Lord love you more than us? Mm-hmm. And it didn't work for us. It, it gets, it can get, that gets hard. It's a hard situation mm-hmm. because I mean, I've been in the same thing. We helped my mother-in-law cure her uh, pancreatic cancer through a protocol that we mm-hmm. did a long time ago, about 10 years ago, uh, about eight years ago. And uh, I mean, it was amazing, but we had to move in with her. We were juicing for her like 14 pounds of veggies a day juicing and she was on wow. tons of oils, tons of supplements, tons of, I mean, like we did everything for her. It was like she was in a hospital, right? We were, we were the hospital. And, yeah. uh, um, that, that, that was a, a year of our lives that we moved in with her, with our kids to take care of her. And, uh, but then I would, I, it's that same type of thing. I get, I would give the exact same protocol to somebody else yeah. for their parent or, or somebody that was going through something similar and it wouldn't work out. And I, I know how you feel, man. It's like you feel almost guilty, like even sharing that or you feel responsible for sharing something mm-hmm. to somebody else. And then it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I had to remove myself years ago. I had to remove myself from first off. I stopped sharing that protocol with people because there's just too many. There's too many different variables with each individual mm-hmm. situation. It's, it, I, you just, 100%. I can't. I can't guarantee anything, but I'll just say, this is what I did. This is what we did for my mother-in-law and, and it turned out great. You might as well try, even if you choose yeah. to go an, another route as well. Like you might as well try this stuff and, and, and see, you know, give it up to God, yeah. give it, let, you know, 
And, uh, yeah. but I can't guarantee anything. And I used to be so confident about it before. And then I'm like, Oh, I, I, I can't do this. Cause then I'm feeling like I'm responsible for these, these people. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard. And you have to sort of, for me, I mean, I've gotten to a place where I've gotten a lot more passionate about helping people understand the power of passive income, mm, yeah. understanding the power of, you know, we, we talk about like control, you can control. I had this conversation with a friend of mine last night. Um, and we were talking about a few things and, you know, he's real frustrated with like the state of the world right now and some mm -hmm. of the mandates and some of the, some of the politics and the things. And sure. he, he asked me, he's like, well, what do you do about all that? And I said, listen, it's not that I don't care, but I don't care because mm, yeah, more I've created a, well, yeah, it's, it's, that and and we also have made choices in our life. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 47 years old, and in the last 10 years, we've made choices in our life to remove ourselves from as much of the systems that might control me. Yeah. So that I could gain more control. Yeah. So right, you know, setting yourself up. Yeah, it's just you know, like for example, and, and I don't know, you know. You, edit out whatever you want, but like, you know, he, he was talking about, you know, vaccines and what do we do and how do we handle it? I said, look, you know, my kids don't go to school. We don't have traditional jobs. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things that are used to, to move people to make certain choices that I don't, they don't have that leverage over yeah. me. Like right. until you take away my driver's license, I can choose for myself yeah. how I choose to live. And I've created an income structure that, is fairly sound. Mm -hmm. And, and so since my wife's stroke, that's sort of become a lot of my mission. It's why I launched my podcast. It's right. why we double down on our business was, you know, most people can't in the face of adversity go, I'm taking six months off work mm. and yeah. expect their bills to be paid yeah. and yeah. expect their business to grow. I mean, I didn't expect our business to grow, but I, I knew that it would at least be solid enough for us to get through right, that storm. Sure. And so for me, like my passion coming out of that has been helping people go, you know, or discover like when you can start to create the environments where you have more control over what you can say or do, you're going to be able to weather the storm better. Cause like mm -hmm. John, you were saying like you would share a protocol with somebody and you would tell them what to do. And, and I'm sure you probably got a lot of the same responses we did. Well, that takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I don't have that much money. Right. I can't, I can't afford 14 pounds of produce a day. And it's like, well, okay, that's cool. I understand that. So let's create that lifestyle now so that if this happens again, yeah, yeah for sure, you can handle it. And, Cause we, we get a lot of that too. We, you know, we'll tell people, Hey, you know, this is what Carrie did and this is how we did it. Like, well, my husband works. And I'm like, yep, he does right now, but let's fix that. Mm -hmm. Or, you yeah. know, yeah, right. It's, and so for me, it just, you know, like, I mean, when we first started having kids, I worked nights and she worked days because we wanted to always have our kids with us and not mm. yeah. at daycare or with, right. And so we didn't see each other for two years, which probably hurt our marriage a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. And then we went, okay, well, let's, let's fix that. And, you know, with our situation now, I have, we have eight kids, two of them are adults, six of them still live at home. And it's, you know, I could probably go find a traditional job and, and we could make more overall income, but then mm -hmm. I miss out on being a dad. Yeah, I miss exactly. out on, and, and so I don't like, I, yeah. and I would have to, there's trade-offs. Then I would lose some of that decision-making power over my own life. Of course. Yeah. Dude, I, t I, I totally hear you on that. You know what's awesome? Keith is going to come out to our real retreat, mm. and he's going to talk about this. That's this awesome. Financial stuff. Yeah. Um, amazing. He's yeah. Justin Harrison. Yeah. So we'll be revealing yeah, some of that. It. Yeah, dude, it's so awesome. We're so <laughs> excited. We're going to try and get Shane to come with us. I'm, yeah. <laughs> February, let's man. Let's make it happen, but, man. Yeah, yeah, let's make it happen. I know I know. there's a, some stuff that, that might be in the way, but... We'll figure it out, dude. We'll, we'll get you there. Yeah. That's it. That's what it is, is how do you figure it out? How do you? Yep. <laughs> right. That's it. You just identify one problem and work mm -hmm. through them mm -hmm. as they come up. So you have the podcast shift podcast, the mm -hmm. shift in interview, right? Yeah. So I do a daily podcast um, that 
uh, is really me basically reading my journal okay. or going through concepts and ideas that are presented, you know, current events, things like that. You know, we'll maybe talk about Jordan Peterson. We'll maybe talk mm-hmm. about something going on culturally. Yeah. Right. Um, and I always try to bring that through the lens of, of something that's thought provoking to how am I showing up in my life? Yeah. Right. And, and help you to kind of start to think about how am I showing up for myself, for my family, where am I being intentional, um, through that lens of accountability and, and really like we've got to get more vulnerable and really talk about what we want, how we feel so yeah. that we can actually become accountable. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and then Fridays, Fridays I do the shift interview, which okay. is, which is typically with, uh, people so far it's all been men. It's not been intentional. Um, it's just kind of, the direction it's gone. Sure. Um, and most of the people who've overcome adversity like yourself, mm-hmm. um, overcome addictions, overcome tragedies, overcome things where they've had to like dig deep and really go, okay, am I going to let this ruin me or am I going to let this empower me? And how yeah, do I, right. you know, like, I mean, I, I think your story is a fascinating one, Shane, and I love how you've turned it into a, a, a mission and a movement. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that inspire me. And so, yeah, I mean, I kind of got pushed last year into our, like our essential oil business is pretty strong and it's good. And truth be told, you know, it's my wife is the face of that. She, she, people are involved in that mostly because of her, you know, I've, I've enrolled people and I've, Mm -hmm. I educate and I teach a lot of certain classes she does, but it's, it's more her passion and more her thing. And I manage that with her, but I was really trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. What, I got kind of your... backed into a corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was in an event and we were working through some stuff and I kind of got backed into a corner to figure out what, um, where my passion lied. And I just kind of vomited this whole thing about accountability and helping men and yeah. helping them get vulnerable. And the person I was working with was like, okay, so how do you do that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, let's figure you know, that out. And yeah, and this idea of a podcast kept coming up, and I was like, seriously? Like, there's four million, like, who cares about yeah. another yep. podcast? I know, I know. But it just kept coming back, and so I, I, I said, fine, I'm going to pull the trigger and see what happens. And, and we actually crossed over, a, we had our 3,000th download this oh, week. So well, cool. Awesome, dude. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, so people... Apparently you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, I don't know how that all works. Like the analytics of that, because not, I don't ever download a, a podcast, so mm-hmm. I don't know how that Is even it, works. Yeah. Does it, does it market as a download? If you, if you listen, listen to, to, it? to it on your device, is that what it is? Like, yeah. 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 So it essentially means that like, so the download just means that. Okay. Yeah. The 3,000, not people, but yeah, it's been listened to in mm-hmm. some form or another 3,000 mm-hmm. times. Yeah. And that's just, that's the, that's the audio formats that are on like Spotify and Apple right. or yeah. wherever. Cause the, the YouTube thing is a whole other, that's a whole other numerical oh, yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, there's so many podcasts out there and, and I do mm-hmm. a daily one. So if I get 15, 20 people to listen a day, that number adds up. Oh quick. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that's awesome. And it's still, you know, so Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Keith, uh, your story is amazing. Your wife's story is amazing. She's definitely an iron. She definitely has an iron. Oh yeah. We'll we'll say that. She is tough. Um, is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, just something that inspires, uh, something that you live by, um, that you can share with our listeners. Yeah, I think, um, Gosh, there's a lot, but the mm-hmm. the thing that the thing that pops into my head, and so I'll, I'll trust that and go with it, is a a, a Gary Vaynerchuk quote: um, "A woman stops him on the street and says, give me the best three words of advice you can,' and his response is, 'You're gonna die.' Mm-hmm. And she's like, 'Wow, seriously?' And he's like, 'Yeah, you're gonna die.' 
So between now and then what you do with it is all that matters. Yep. And, and mm-hmm. man, that, that, <laughs> that's it, right? Yeah, it is. You got to own that dash between mm-hmm. the, the, the day you're born yeah. to yeah. the day you yep. die. Own the yep. dash, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, um, one of the things I told my wife shortly after her stroke, we were sitting on the step out front of our house and she was, she didn't have to tell me, but I knew she was having suicidal thoughts and she was having real, a really hard time. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, look, I don't know what today brings. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what the future brings, but I, I need you to promise me that you'll fight. And I need you to promise me that you'll live fully. So that's something we've sort of adopted. It's like, mm-hmm. whatever you got to give, let's, let's do it a hundred percent. And I think that, that that's the thing that, if we can do that every day, we can do as much as we can. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thank you. That is that's amazing. Well, we want to invite everybody to to like this, share it, um, join our community of Iron Will, and uh, yeah. Any last words, Shane? Um, not much for me. <laughs> yeah, I just amazed. Great episode. Like, of all the things your wife had to go through and in turn how you had to go through it also in a different way. And it's just an amazing story story. And like, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate the invite. I really appreciate an opportunity to share. And, you know, uh, we look back on our story and we go, well, that was interesting. (laughs) And I think it's important that, that other people hear, you know, like Shane, I mean, I, I would say the same thing, man. Your story is amazing and you're an inspiration mm-hmm. as well. And the more that we can, you know, build communities like this, the better. Yeah.